Welcome to another Fortello podcast. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi, coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. So, Balash, how have you been? Um, I'm good, thank you. Uh, as you know, uh, I've been on a, um, a government-forced holiday. I'm in home office in the last few weeks. Um, first, because of our trip to the Netherlands. Thank you, Netherlands. Yep. Uh, and then afterwards, just when my my uh, 14-day quarantine was up, one of my colleagues got sick. So I had to come back for another few days. And then luckily, uh, it turned out, um, I mean, somebody in, in her vicinity was sick and turned out to be a false alarm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm uh, enjoying home office since March. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think, uh, well, it's no secret that in Europe right now, the infection rates are on the climb. And I don't know about you, but as a non-native German, you know, I try to navigate the uh, rules over here. And um, it is a case where every city uh, can do its own thing. So it's kind of hard to figure out exactly. I I go by hearsay. It's like people telling me what I'm allowed to do and not. There's like, I guess the... um there's, I think there's no rule, but there's a suggestion by the government, right? And then every Bundesland has their own regulation, and then every city within within the Bundesland has their own regulation. So at the end of the day, um, I guess it's a bit of a, a case of German over engineering when uh, you don't know who to believe. And um, I had m- my my fair share of problems with with this when we came back from from the Netherlands. For you, it was pretty straightforward. I think I was still on the train coming from uh, Frankfurt to Karlsruhe yeah. when you were already tested. Yeah. Now, yeah. for me, it was a bit bit more complicated. It took me a few days and online registration and this phone number was not helpful and that phone number was not. not so, you know, it was, um, it was interesting to say the least. Yeah. And I guess it'll, let, let's see how much more interesting it's going to get. I mean, it's getting cold outside now. So, uh, you know, the, the ability to sit outside. I mean, I've seen the restaurants get really creative around here with tents and, and heating and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But obviously it was much easier during the summertime to just make use of the the outside instead of cramming into a restaurant. So I wish them well. And, you know, we're still kind of going out and doing our things safely, but it's uh, a feel for these uh, small businesses right now. Well, I was about to say, and make sure that you're you're safe and wear a mask, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, whatever the case may be. I mean, you know, some people say it's um, it's um, overreacting. I think it's better to be safe than sorry Absolutely. to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this stuff has become kind of second nature now. So, but um, yeah, so it, it's great uh, the two of us are recording. We actually meant to do this in the Netherlands before we left, but the. Um, we found out the last night we were there that the uh, the Hague, which is where the Fratello headquarters is, went red. And I think that made us both a little nervous. And we ended up um, turning in a little bit earlier and getting up earlier to get out, um, which turned out to be a non-event uh, at the border. But we didn't know what to expect, you know. So, yeah, it was, that was an interesting trip uh, yeah. back home. But, but yeah, as I said, better to be safe than sorry. I think uh, in the end, it, it turned out okay for, for, for the both of us. Yep. Um, and, um, but yeah, and we were quite busy with, um, you know, with the videos and, and um, other um, extracurricular activities after the, the workday was over. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, here we are. Here we are. And uh, yeah, we we thought uh, for this episode, we were, because of the recent news of the Alpinist that uh, we we sold and sold out through the Fratello site, we'd talk about that watch for just a minute. And um, then we were going to shift to talking about our favorite dive watches so far this year, because it's been a great year for dive watches. And we, we thought we'd highlight uh, kind of three on each side and then maybe if time allows, just talk in general about some, some things. And, but we always kick things off with a handgelenk controller. So Balash, <laughs> tell, tell me what is on your handgelenk today. So I went 
uh, G2, and I'm wearing a Casio G-Shock. Wow. Uh, funnily enough, this is my first Casio G-Shock. Uh, I had some some um, some miles from Lufthansa mm. uh, that, that that were about to expire. And I said, what am I supposed to do with it? And I just bought it. Uh, unfortunately, um, that I realized after was a bit overpriced, but you know, that's Lufthansa shop for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my uh, my little G Shock uh, with the um, with the inverted display and a Bluetooth functionality. So you mm. can have a pretty cool little app, and then you download the app. The watch connects to the app, and then you can set the time, different time zones, and stuff like that. Um, to be honest, I got it before or around the time when, um, when this whole home office thing started in March and for the better part of March, June and, uh, or March, April, May, and June, I was wearing this watch and this watch only. So, um, comfy, yeah, right? Guess, really comfy yeah. and lightweight. Comfy. Yeah. Light. This is my, uh, this is my, uh, my home office watch. I bought the, um, the little metal kit, you know, you can buy this kit from, from eBay and you can remove the module and then you can put it in this metal uh, metal casing and basically there's a metal bracelet for it. Hmm. Um, and then you can convert your plastic G-Shock into a metal. Uh, cool. Uh, so it's like the rectangular model then? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, nice. It's one of the, the classy ones. And um, so you can switch between metal or or this uh, the plastic case. It was quite nice. Um, and um, yeah, so... That's what I'm wearing most of the time when I'm at home. What about you? Yeah, so I went with my Oris um, Big Crown Pointer Date, the bronze 40-millimeter model that I modded with the burgundy dial. So mm-hmm. if you remember this one from a couple of years of Basil, I I uh, followed up uh, Basil by asking for the, the green, I guess, what is that, the 80th anniversary model? And they had just come out with this burgundy one in steel. And I, I really wanted to put the burgundy into the, uh, the bronze case and Oris did me a solid. Um, they provided the dial and I went to our watchmaker, Paul, who, uh, swapped it out and I've never done any kind of modding. I mean, you just brought up with your Casio that you've been messing around with that. Um, this is obviously a little less DIY, but but I like the uh, the results, so it's it's one where you know if people ask you how you did it on uh, Instagram or on our page, then I guess it was par- fairly successful because nobody nobody really said that was an idiotic move. So yeah, I guess you can see that that's an, an Oris piece unique, as they call it in horlogery these days. Ooh. A piece unique, yeah, A piece unique. unique. I should inscribe one of one on the back. What do you think about that? You should. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. It's a, it is a piece unique. I mean, it's a cool watch. It's a nice looking watch, and it's a uh, pretty nice to see the red, this deep red dial with the the bronze case. Um, I think it's um, it has a a very special look. Yeah, and it works. It, it works for this time of uh, of year as well, right? So yeah, exactly. Think, uh, yeah. Just Autumn works colors. with the reds and and. Uh, yeah, with everybody breaking out their their boots and all that kind of stuff, and you with your salvage denim, you know, yeah, well red it. red wing muck toes. It's Mucktober. <laughs> <laughs> I just read somewhere it's Mucktober. So I'm, yeah, I'm contemplating about picking up a, a, a pair of red wings. You have a pair of red, no? What do you have? I do have a pair of red wings, but I, um, you know, for me, uh, I don't know about you if you've ever if you've really gone down this path with these like sturdy, uh, long time made American boots, um, I've no. got a few different pairs and some of them like my red wings, I think I have like iron Rangers. They are brutal to break in for me in the heel. Mm. And, um, that's, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a pair of Danners, which are just awesome looking and the same thing. Like I put them on and I want to go over to the side of the road and cry. Yeah. I want to cry. <laughs> yeah. So, a friend of mine said the same thing. He said he was he was sweating like crazy for like a month. And yeah, he wore it every single day. I, I would have just you know you want to just like chop your foot off. So I I think I think with a lot of these things you sort of have to get over a hump with them and and they work. But anyhow, I wear a pair of shell cordovan uh, fry boots that they no longer make. Um, they used to make them in regular leather and they made them in uh, this this Horween and they were of course stupidly expensive, but 
I fell in love with them. I was um, in New York and I just felt like a little bit giddy and I, and I bought them and same thing. They were not easy to break in, but now they're truly like uh, a pair of gloves. So I've had them resold like three times and yeah, I don't really need. I another think that's the one boots. you wore. Uh, that's the one you wore to one of the one of the get-togethers because I remember we were. Uh, I mean the um, Speedy Tuesday get-togethers because I remember we were in the in the Airbnb, um, in Beale. Remember, and then mm-hmm. you told me about that. I think it was it was yeah these boots. So the yeah, even- they'll kind of last forever, I guess, until they don't. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so if I buy other boots, then it's purely conspicuous consumption. So. Yeah, I'm 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 a Timberland guy. I mean, I'm I'm contemplating about the 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 Mokto just because it looks it looks really comfortable. But I'm I'm still with my my sneakers and uh, and my olive green Timberlands. Hmm. Maybe maybe. And speaking of uh, speaking of leather and straps and green and yeah, I'm, I try yeah. try to find a, I try to find a way. To, segue here. <laughs> segue into it's pretty into good the, actually into the psychos. There you go. You yeah, see? well done. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the Alpinist. So I, I think, mm-hmm. I think many of you have seen, we had a little bit of a run up um, with, with some Alpinist history articles, especially on the newer Alpinist since 95. And that, that led into in the last week or so, we, um, we broke uh, an announcement on the 2020 limited edition for the European market, uh, twin crown Alpinist. And it came comes with a what they call a, a mountain glacier dial, which is like this emerald gray green dial. And you know, we we were fortunate enough to be able to work with Seiko to feature it on Fratello a couple weeks before it goes into boutiques and online. Although I did get some emails, and I'm sure you did that day from Seiko Germany that uh, yeah they 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 released it later that day in general and um. Yeah, so so we featured the watch, and we basically were given fifty watches to to sell a little bit before everyone else into selected European countries. And so so a couple things I wanted to get get straight because we did get a lot of questions about this on whether it was a Fratello exclusive. No, it's not. In fact, it uh, is very much like last year, early last year, when Hodinkee did a had the same advanced uh, offering on a 2019 limited edition Alpinist just for the American market. So they had it a little, a little bit before the the regular Seiko site and we did the same here. And the other thing is that um, we didn't have any um, input into the design or anything like that. So again, this is a, it's, it's a proper, European market limited edition. Uh, we were just fortunate enough to, to be able to carry it a little bit before anyone else. And, you know, we, the watch comes with a couple straps, but for those 50, um, we did something a little bit special and included another one And Balash, Maybe you can talk about that because you are our strap guru. Yeah. Um, so the, the, as, as Mike said, the original, um, package I think contains, uh, two extra straps, right? So the watch comes on a strap and then there's two extra straps in the package, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's one extra. One extra, one extra so... Yeah, it comes, it comes on two straps, sorry, yes. So there's one on the watch, there's one extra strap. And for that uh, 50, we also created a strap. So now it comes with two extra straps and one on the watch. And we wanted to go with something that's... Um, that's connected to the dial. And that's, as Mike said, there's this very interesting light greenish gray, uh, icy dial. So we went with light gray suede, uh, leather strap, um, just a simple, uh, suede strap with, um, leather lining and, uh, black leather lining and, uh, beige stitching. And it's done in Italy by, uh, by, uh, one of the, the strap guards over there. Um, in 50 pieces, um, with the Fratello and Boss logo on the back and the, I mean, on the, on the linings. It's, it's a pretty cool strap. It's, uh, beautifully made. Um, and it's limited to 50 pieces. So, um, it was only sold with these watches. And once it's gone and the watches are, I think they're gone, yeah, right? Yeah, they're, they're, gone. They're, oh, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. So 
the straps are gone. I'm not saying we will not come back soon with with you know other straps, uh, but for the time being, um, that was it. So um, that's a that's a little extra, I think, for the people who who really loved the the watch and, and wanted to secure it through through Fratello. Um, that's what we came up with and and offered uh, this extra strap for them. Yeah, and I and I think um, <clears throat> the strap looks great. I mean, I ordered one of the watches, so I'm excited to see it. And I got some messages from some people who are actually really excited about that strap, not only with that watch, but also to pair it with some other things. I think it's a really versatile color. So, no, it's a, it's a great it's a great color indeed. And we thought about adding a NATO strap or a leather strap, or you know, what should we do? But but in the end, um, the the straps that come uh, with the watch from Seiko they're very different. Mm-hmm. They're more, I would say, sporty or or well, it's um it's kind of an outdoorsy watch, right? So those straps are are probably perfect for those occasions. But if you want to put it on something more classy i guess then then that's the strap to go with and and the gray dial with this gray strap it's really a, an amazing combination so i'm sure you will be you will be happy when you get the watch yeah and that was actually really your uh you were pretty heavily involved in that strap right yeah i mean we we had a few uh phone calls uh between the team some some guys in the team and then um since i know the the company um who in the end created the strap i was the I guess the caretaker of this project or project Lee, whatever you want to call it. Um, so um, we talked about the design and then I had to uh, be the liaison between us and the, the Italian company. And, and um, I, what I can tell you is really it, those are, are amazing guys. I mean, the, the, the quality and the attention to the detail is, is just um, second to none. And it's all made in handmade in Italy, in Rome, as a matter of fact, um, every piece, um, so it's um, they they created this um, this metal logo for I mean the, the Fratello logo. So you know to emboss each and every strap, um, they also took care of that. So everything from from the design to shipping. Um, so the guys were amazing, and I think the product speaks for, for itself. So everybody who was lucky enough to secure one of the fifty pieces, I really hope you enjoy the strap and uh, of course the watch because uh, we put a lot of uh, effort and thoughts into that. Yeah. Well, I mean, nicely done on that. And I think, as you mentioned, we'll hopefully be back with, with more straps and certainly, uh, I mean, this is an area you're really passionate about. So I'm looking forward to see what you come up with. So we have, we have some, we have some, some, some nice things lined up. I think I don't want to, don't want to get into details because everything is, you know, it's still, uh, um, planning kind of, yeah, kind of in, in planning mode, but, but, uh, Let's see. Soon. Yeah. I hope soon. Exciting times. So, mm-hmm. well, cool. So, so let's move on to our main topic. And I think that, um, you know, both you and I really enjoy dive watches, even though we're not, not divers, uh, but, but we enjoy them. We enjoy them aesthetically. We like the fact that they're robust and, and you can, you know, really wear them in a, in a variety of situations. And, you know, 2020, <laughs> despite it uh, being quite a year, um, has been quite a year actually for dive watches. There've, I was looking through our, um, our watch releases 2020, which is a, a section you can find on the site. And there have been a lot of new watches and, um, I think a lot of them really good. So, so we thought that we would talk today, just, just sort of go back and forth with, uh, three different choices each about, about dive watches. And, um, you know, the crazy thing is we, we, we made sure beforehand that we didn't pick the same ones and you're not going to hear anything about the Submariner here. Um, which doesn't, doesn't mean it's not a great watch and everything. It's just, we tried to pick some, some fairly different things and also ones that, that just really spoke to us. So, you know, I think a pretty good, good variety here. And then if we've got time, like I said, we'll, uh, touch upon, another subject related to dive watches and a certain massive group uh, out there who is in charge of a lot of brands and just talk a little bit about some of their dive watches. So, so why, so why don't you go first and, and talk about the first one on your list from, from 2020 that you really like. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah. So basically, what I uh, just one thought that came to my mind while you were introducing this topic is the is the question why, right? Why everybody's doing dive watches this year? And I, I don't know the answer, obviously. But what I think is that when it comes to to watches, the nowadays the simplest watch that can be worn in an everyday, as you said, in everyday uh, life is is a dive watch because a dress watch is it's you know it's it could it could look odd with the t-shirt and and the pair of shorts uh, might be a bit fragile compared to um, um, a dive watch but a dive watch is one of those tool watches that can, you can dress it up with a leather strap you can dress it down with a i mean make it more sporty with an with a natural strap or, or, a, a, rubber, or a bracelet yeah or a rubber for that matter yeah and um, you can wear it to the beach you can wear it to the office you can wear it in the weekend i think it's a very very versatile i think it's like the diver watch as a as a as a, a watch model type is basically what the gmt as a function to me because everybody who wants to add a bit of something to a watch they they release it as a gmt right chronograph mm -hmm. complications expensive dates are everywhere but when you want to give something but you don't want to go to the ex extreme to offer um a chronograph you go with a gmt and i think a die watch is somewhere around that like it's it's something special but it's it's not a a crazy thing um and yeah, I guess that's just a trend or that was the trend last year. So, yeah, it's certainly like if you look at, I mean, you scour eBay and if you look in like the 1970s when all these brands, whether they were Swiss or Japanese were releasing watches, it was sort of like the boring, you know, very sterile dial with date steel. And I mean, this was the watch that everybody wore boring, just normal watch. I feel like the dive watch has taken over um, that uh, position as the everyday watch now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because you can wear it really from, as I said, from the office to to the beach in the weekend during the day. Um, it's sturdy. It's it's tough. It's thick. It's you know. It's um, it's not going to get uh, damaged, uh, unlike a, a dress watch or like a gold case thin thin you know dress watch. Uh, yeah, that could be the reason. But anyways, um, so my first pick is uh, is something that. We talked about, and I had them with me when we went to the Netherlands, and you also saw them, and we did a video, uh, and that's the Nevada Chronomaster Sea Diver, which is, bear with me, it's not a traditional diver's watch, right? Because, I mean, the, yeah. it's a chronograph, and the vintage uh, uh, watch was, um, as it says, a Chronomaster Sea Diver. So it was kind of a pilot's watch, but it was also a diver's watch. Um, if you look at uh, the water resistance, uh, I, I picked the automatic version because it's it's uh, it has a water resistance of 200 meters, which is I guess it's enough to call it a diver's watch. Sure. Um, I even think 100 meters is enough, but I know some people say that it's not a diver if it's only water resistant 200 meters. Yeah, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I don't go deeper than 15 meters. So um, to me, it doesn't really make any difference. But this one, the automatic version with the with the screw down crown, it's. Um, it's water resistant to 200 meters and um you know it's um it's a very interesting piece as in i think this nevada is probably the closest re-edition to the original i have seen or at least i have seen recently um the size the colors um everything is uh is just how it was in the 60s when the um the original example came out it's a 38 millimeter steel case um the the automatic with the the screw down crown is a bit thicker it's 14 or 15 14.8 15 millimeters thick um you know just simple polished and brushed uh steel case 20 millimeter lug width for the strap so it's um it's just a simple good looking vintage uh inspired or or, or vintage-esque uh, chronograph, but since it's water resistant to 200 meters and it was designed as a as a dive watch, I think um, it fits it fits the list. So, so this is my first pick. Nice, yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing them when we were up there together. I thought they really did a nice job, and I like how they really are offering such an extensive collection of dials and and yeah, they're, they're covering a lot of the bases there. It's it's really well done. I mean, if you like that watch, then. Yeah, you're getting a really faithful uh, but modern and reliable um, option now. Yeah, and not to mention that the price is is below two thousand euros. I mean, I'm I you can pick it, you know, on a rubber strap, on a bracelet, uh, or a leather strap. 
uh i would get it on a on a rubber or on a leather um i think it, it looks best on on that and you can get it for uh around 700 um uh, or 1700 1600 uh euros so it's 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 yeah it's pretty pretty good price, I think, for what you're getting. It is a little movement inside. Very nice. Yeah. So my first choice is um, it's a bit retro inspired as well, but certainly from a much bigger company, and that's it's the uh, the Seiko Prospects SPB. Well, we can call it the 143, 45, 47, 49, but maybe to to help people, it's the uh, 62 Moss reedition. Um, but not, not the, the limited edition piece that's thousands and thousands. These, these are kind of in the thousand to 1300 euro range. And this was kind of a weird move. Um, when I look back, I mean, it was kind of middle or earlier this year that they came out and they came out at the same time as, um, similarly priced, uh, Willard, divers. So Seiko brought out both of these at the same time. And this one was an interesting move, I think, because when you were, I think you remember a few years back when Seiko brought out the 62 Moss re-edition, the um, uh, limited model. And at that time they did a modern reinterpretation of the 62 Moss and they used the more modern handset with the arrow and, and that type of thing. And I think the cases were larger than what was released this year. Um, so they, they, those models were out for not very long and it's like they changed course, um, and kind of realized, Ooh, maybe those weren't, um, exactly what we wanted. So they came out with these and they have been on fire since, uh, since their release. I mean, they show up everywhere. I mean, Daniel on our team bought one. Um, I know, um, Spence over at uh, Whiskey and Watches uh, bought one, and I was actually chatting with him about it uh, because I'm guessing you bought one. No, actually, I didn't. I didn't. Um, you didn't. No, okay. I didn't. I um, I've kind of kept myself from buying another dive watch in this range because I simply can't find an excuse anymore to buy buy something like this. Um, <laughs> it's like did you buy the did you buy the reedition from a few years ago? No, I didn't. Um, it was a little bit too large for me. So because um, I remember we we combined it. I mean, you brought your original one to Basel, and then we had this side by side shot. Yeah, uh, with the new one, it was very nice. Okay. It was just a little mm-hmm. bit too large, but but yeah. So 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 anyhow, I was talking to to Spence about this, and I was asking him. I was like, "How is it like to wear?" and and you look at the dimensions and I mean, it's like, uh, I'm just looking here. The lug to lug is 44 millimeters and it's a 40.5 millimeter case. So he was telling me it wears great. Um, he said that, uh, he owned a Hulk, which he recently traded because they've gone through the roof. And he said, honestly, this, this, uh, 62 Moss, as far as like having a good solid diver, that's well-made, gets him 95% of the way there in terms of, of that type of feeling. And that's pretty high praise. Um, Daniel, I know loves his, and I, I think Seiko really hit it out of the park by downsizing their, their recent watches and also something that isn't so thick. I mean, it's like 13.2 millimeter thick, um, really cool looking watches. I mean, they, they are, hitting this sort of thousand euro range with, uh, both barrels, you know, if you look Mm. at the number of watches they've got in that range now, it's incredible, but these have really appealed to people. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a trend now to go back, uh, to smaller sizes, or I hope it's a, it's a trend. I, I, I think the, 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 the 42 plus, is uh, i don't know it's uh, and i have you know compared to you especially compared to you i have a huge wrist and even i don't find those uh 43 44 45 whatever watches uh comfortable anymore because usually this they're clunky yeah and it comes with the with the thickness as well you don't have a 44 millimeter watch that's thin it's usually big heavy chunky uh, sticks out. You can't put it under the jacket, especially especially now in you know in the winter time or when you're wearing something, um, the cuff jacket. So I, I I'm really happy with with brands going back to 42, 41, 39, 40 around that. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, that was my first pick. So what do you got next? That's a nice one. Um, so for the second one, I went with um, a brand that we both love. Uh, we both own, we own the same watch and also um, we both own vintage, um, almost the same in vintage as well. And that's uh, Doxa. Mm. So we have the, the, the 60th, um, uh, not the 60th uh, black lung right we have the, the, yeah we have the new one the black lung uh, the sub 300 and then you also have a vintage uh, shark hunter and I have a vintage shark hunter uh, aqua with the aqua lung logo so almost the same watch mm-hmm. what I went with is a Doxa sub 300 carbon aqua lung US divers wow. limited edition okay. yeah it's um, um, when I saw the watch um, in the press release um i really i really you know started to 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 feel the need to to get into back into doxa again and and wear mine and and i wanted to secure one for the review and i was lucky enough that uh doxa uh, sent me one so um it was a bit of a a bit of an interesting story with fedex and and you know customs german customs you know the 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 usual story with german customs uh they told me that the watch is is held at customs and it's going to go back and i told doxa sorry the watch is going back to switzerland and the next day nine in the morning my my uh bell was ringing and fedex was there with the box i don't know how and why but they released it and the next morning it was there and that watch is just it's just amazing i mean this carbon this forged carbon case with the with the carbon pattern, the carbon dial, this black and white and yellow uh, color combination with the rubber strap, it's it's just uh, truly breathtaking. I I love the watch. Uh, I had this the metal one with me, the steel version, mm-hmm. so I compared. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the the, the sub three hundred carbon Aqualung is also based on the sixties, the original nineteen sixty seven sub three hundred. So it's a thinner case with a dome crystal. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great watch. If you, if you're not into vintage and you don't know about Doxa's history, you can think that it's a brand new watch. You know, the design is, is just 21st. Yeah. Super fresh. And if you're into vintage and thinking, wow, this is a great 21st century, uh, re-edition of a, of a legendary watch. Um, so it's super light, only 85 grams, which is crazy. Um, as I said, limited to 300 pieces. Um, it has a cost certification, just like the the steel version, and no decom bezel, and um, yeah, the price is a bit is a bit hefty, I guess, at uh, four thousand seven hundred and ninety euros, or the same four thousand seven hundred ninety dollars. But I mean, it's carbon, so it's always going to be more expensive. And they sold out, right? I believe so. I mean, I saw them yesterday on website that you can still click on it, but I don't know what happens when you when you click. I think it's, I think it's gone. And I checked Chrono Twenty Four. There's only one listed on Chrono Twenty Four. So I think people who like you know um, f- fans who who secured one, I don't think they're gonna let it go anytime soon. And they shouldn't. It's really amazing watches. So you know what's crazy? So <laughs> when when that watch was released, um, I have to tell you being very open here, I was kind of taken aback and not in a good way. Um, I thought it looked garish. I thought it looked kind of loud and just sort of not really sticking to the whole Doxa tool watch aesthetic. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I read your review. I heard you speak so positively about it. I think there were some others who felt the same. And <laughs> I, I really need to see one in person because I have never been so diametrically opposed in my initial opinion versus what people are now saying about that watch. So I, I really, and, and, and I've softened on it. Yeah. I mean, I am, I'm with you. It's expensive, but um, it, it's, it clearly needs to be seen from, from me at least. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a very interesting watch because it's you know it's black, but it has this these as you said loud orange indices and and uh, and hands and stuff. So if you look at it, if you look at the piece, you're like wow, this is this is just too much. But when you wear it, um, because it's quite thin, um, it doesn't really you know, and obviously very light, um, it doesn't li- really stick out. And um, I think it's an, it's just a nice looking watch. Uh, you know, some people said that the carbon case might be a bit fragile. You you have to be careful with that. 
I, I really have no idea. I mean, they, they build cars of carbon. So yeah, I, I guess exactly. Doxa had that figured out. Um, I can imagine that they, that they eventually break. Uh, probably if you drop them from the third, third, uh, or the fourth floor, they will break and <laughs> steel won't. Anything, right? But <laughs> right. right, exactly. So, I mean, ceramics, you know, back in the days, the ceramic is, is the new steel and ceramic chips. So, I guess I don't know, but if I look at the watch, the overall package, and I just really got it in a in a in a travel case. I didn't have the whole box and none of that stuff. Just the watch on a on a um, rubber strap, and actually the strap was a prototype, so it was not the final version. So it was kind of still a bit rough, um, but the watch just really really felt felt good. And and um, on the wrist, off the wrist, uh, compared to the steel one, compared to the vintage one, um, it's bold. It's daring from Doxa, but I think with this new management, uh, this is exactly what they're trying to do to kind of shake things up a little bit. And I, and I think they're doing a great job at that, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to hear you liked it so much. I trust your opinion. So Absolutely. So, so what, are, what are you having for a second? Yeah, so, so the next one is my wild card, I would say. The, the, the third one, when, I, when we get to it, is, I mean, if you've read what I've written about, then it's not going to be a surprise. But the, this one is a wild card, and I, and I really just went based on pure emotion looking at some things on what I liked. It is the, here it is, Christopher Ward Super Compressor, which... Um, yeah, you probably never would have bet that I would have said that, right? No, no. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, uh, I thought about a psycho. I, I thought about the, your third pick, which I'm not gonna tell yet what it is. But no, not about this one. Yeah. But I have to say, I, I, I like the brand, and I think uh, they got some really interesting stuff. And you know, you and I back in the day when Southern QP was on, we used to visit it, and we used to visit their booths, and they've always been a nice, nice chat with the guys over there. So, tell us more about it. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Ward is one of these brands that I think, you know, they, they really started out right on the forums and, and they were really challenging people or, or they, they really got a lot of um, press for, for making really value priced watches that were, were boxing way above their weight class. And nowadays, I mean, with so many micro brands out there, I think it's really hard to, to distinguish oneself, but you know, they continue to do some pretty neat things. I mean, these Sapphire dials that they've done recently. And now this super compressor, which when I first saw it, I have to say like, okay, how did they use this name? Because anytime anybody looks at a dive watch these days with two crowns, it's called a super compressor. At least that's the style, which obviously we know historically Epsa was the case maker that actually made a super compressor and it basically used kind of like a bayonet style case back and, you know, the pressure actually helped, uh, helped seal the, the case. And they were notable, not always for having two crowns, but for having two crowns many times with an internal rotating dive bezel. And those crowns were always like cross hatched and um, they had a little, uh, I guess, dive, dive helmet as the logo and yeah so i i open up this story that thomas wrote and i'm like holy cow this is actually a super compressor it's like they must have either bought the name or licensed or something because there's the little super compressor name there's quite a story here uh, they actually had to reverse engineer and um you know work on how they created a super compressor case with a this compression spring between the traditional case back and the main case and the watch, I think looks and it's really a cool case back, right? Which is, which is very, which yeah. is very complicated to do. I mean, compared to obviously the original super compressors, which was steel, uh, solid steel case back. Yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, they, they went with a display, which I think a lot of people harped on a bit, but they did it because they wanted you to be able to see this compression ring and, you know, it's not so much to see the Salita inside, which is, you know, a little bit decorated, but it's really more to see this orange compressor ring. And the crown, um, the main one is is screwed down. The bezel uh, adjuster is not. And they've got their cross hatched, so it stays faithful. And yeah, the watch itself has a little bit of a kind of a 70s tonneau shape. 
And it comes in at something like uh, 41 millimeters and 13 millimeters high with a lug to lug of 47. So I think wearable mm. on the, on the slightly larger side, but perhaps this whole compressor situation makes for a, a slightly larger case. And I think the colors, they, they've got like a sort of an anthracite dial and then they've got this sort of wild electric blue and I'm looking at like the loom pips that for the first 20 minutes, the pips at the hour marker are yellow and then they're white for the others. It's got an orange minute hand. It's actually really cool. And, you know, with Christopher Ward, the pricing, you know, I'm always kind of amazed at where they come in and these things, um, yeah, they listed 895 pounds, which I went on their website and I think that's like a thousand seventy euros. So it's really, you know, we talk about that Seiko, which is in the same range. I mean, this is right in the same, um, and it's kind of a unique choice. I think it's not really something mm-hmm. that would come to mind. And okay. The, the funny thing is it's got 150 meters of water resistance, which I guess is technically less than the old super compressors used to be, except I guess this actually is water resistant 250 meters and will be after owning it for five years, whereas those probably weren't. Um, so I, I like it. I like the ingenuity. Um, I like the look of the watch. I think, um, yeah, if it were a little smaller, I'd be happier, but this is, I think a really cool, compelling thing and it's, it's neat. And it, it, they didn't directly copy an old watch or anything like that. So yeah, kudos to them for doing something neat like this. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, like we already covered four watches, right? Four divers. And all four of them are so different mm. in in every way. Maybe, maybe well, also in size. But, you know, the case shape, the obviously the brand Swiss made, um, Swiss made with a British design or Japanese and I think this is this is pretty cool. It, and I know that the next two were also going to be super different. So we'll have six watches that are all divers and, you know, they could not be further from each other. Yeah, we've got internal bezels, external bezels, retro, not right. retro, all kinds of things, right? right? Exactly. Chronograph. Exactly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you got for number three? Um, so my last one is something that uh, that came out in the beginning of the year. And um, I saw this, um, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then, then you brought it up, and then um, kind of reminded myself that oh yeah, sure, I should check it out. And since I've I I review a lot of those, um, uh, a lot of watches from from that brand, I, I thought it's uh, kind of mandatory to have a look. And I, I was also quite interested, um, because it has a, a very cool story, and that is our first. Um, and only uh, watch from uh, the Swatch Group, um, or basically from any watch groups for that matter, and that's the Certina DS Super PH five hundred M. Nice um, VDST. Nice. What a cool looking watch! <laughs> <laughs> it's a very cool watch, and um, it has a, um, a super exciting story. Um, it's a re-edition, but it's not a re-edition. It's rather a um, a new release model that takes inspiration from a, a vintage um, Sartina, which was also a, a quite interesting one at that. So uh, basically this one is the VDST edition, which is an association that, I mean, they, they did it in association with the German divers, uh, sports divers association, the Verband Deutscher Sporttaucher. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's, um, it's, um, it's a, a German association of divers, sports divers, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. And they wanted to have certain specifics. They worked with Sertina. Sertina uh, took a model from the 60s as the base, and obviously they changed a few things. This is basically a um, based on a 1968 model that uh, Sertina had, which was called the DS2 Super PH500M. So this is the DS Super PH500M. And um, that was 33 millimeters. This is also 33 millimeters. Um, also mechanical, obviously. 40, that 43 one millimeters or 30? Uh, 43, sorry. 43 millimeters, exactly. Mechanical, automatic mechanical movement. This one has the Powermatic 80 uh, with the Nivacron balance spring. Um, they had the same bezel, 
uh, design. It's just it's a sixty click bezel unidirectional bezel, and it has this. Um, uh, um, they call it something because it's pressure protection. There's this lock system that you can only turn the bezel when you push it down. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it will not turn. And of course, as the name suggests, it's DS to the double security system uh, that Certina invented is also in the watch, which is basically this uh, O-ring uh, in between the the case and the movement. So it's uh, it's kind of like a spacer, but it's not a plastic one. It's not a metal one. It's a rubber one, which is you know which protects uh, the movement uh, uh, better than. Uh, better than normal spacers. And um, because uh, of the VDST uh, uh, association, um, it has an orange dial. The original watch had a black dial and VDST requested an orange dial um, as orange is the most visible color on the water. We just um, talked about DOXA before and obviously this um, this is associated with DOXA. They were the first ones to release it. I release a watch with an orange dial. So, um, yeah, it comes on two rubber straps. I mean, a rubber strap and an extension, diver's extension. And if you're a VDST member, it also comes with two NATO straps in, in two lengths. And uh, it's a it's an ISO 6425 uh, diver's watch. So if you're interested in what that is, check it out. Uh, it has all the the um, um, the water resistance and other features that you know you need to pass to have this ISO uh, certification. So the watch passed that. And it's eight hundred and seventy-two euros. Wow! I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty approachable, isn't it? It's 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 yeah, seven hundred ninety-five pounds, eight ninety-five Swiss francs. I mean, it's um, if you want a mechanical Swiss-made watch with eighty hours of power reserve, um, you know, uh, from Certina with the DS system, the Neva Chrome Balance Spring f- for under nine hundred euros. Hard to beat. Come on. How do you, how do you like the watch in in hand? Is it really nice? It's yeah, it's a very nice watch. I have I've seen the original one many many years ago. A friend of mine had it, but I can't remember really, you know, how it would look. But you can find the videos online, uh, Certina's YouTube channel. Uh, they compare it, or you can see some pictures comparing it to the original. Um, it's a nice watch. It's it's uh, you know, it's obviously uh, quite long. I think it was forty eight lock tip to lock tip. I'm, I'm not sure, fifteen millimeters thick. Um, 43, uh, it's the width, as I said, and, uh, it has this very, um, um, bright orange, uh, orange dial, which is, um, which is obviously something you've seen on Doxas and Psychos and, and other watches, but, but, uh, but, um, yeah, it adds a, uh, you know, a pop, pop of color to the, to the whole watch. So, so you, you mentioned, um, some relation there to Doxa. Maybe you could yeah. just tell us a little bit about little research you did and found. Yeah, because, uh, Sertina talks about this orange color being the, the most visible underwater. And I, and it made me, you know, wonder, cause I remembered, uh, Doxa was the one who, who did this initial, um, research about colors on the water right in switzerland back in the 60s mm-hmm. and so um i came across this this uh report that was done by the u.s naval submarine medical center in a submarine base uh, back in the 60s and the report is called the visibility of colors on the water and it was made on the 23rd of october 1967 now funnily enough doxa released the submariner 300 i mean sorry the sub 300 in 1967 during Basel World, so earlier that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their research is a few years older than than um, this U.S. Navy research, but non- it's interesting nonetheless. So it was it was made in 1967, and basically what they did is they um, um, took a bunch of colors, uh, dials with a bunch of colors, fluorescent and non-fluorescent dials, and they tested them in different waters. So um, in uh, rivers, harbors, and murky water, uh, they tested also the fluorescent orange as the most visible one. Okay. However, uh, they tested it in clear water, I think in the Gulf of Mexico, in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And there, the fluorescent green and white are the most visible colors. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the most difficult colors to see are black and gray, obviously. And they also talked about the colors that won't be confused on the water. So they say that the best combination of green, orange, and black. Hmm. Um, if you have blue, green, orange, and black, that works in clear water, and you should avoid black and red. 
And if you have green, yellow, red, and black, that works best in murky water, avoiding black and blue. Hmm. So um, um, it's a pretty interesting document. I think it's 12 pages. Um, I think we can put the link in the show notes uh, with obviously the links uh, of every watch. And um, it was it was quite fun to to read it through, and there's a ton of information about you know the the colors and combining that with Doxa's research from a couple of years earlier. You can see that they did it in '64, '65. I don't know in 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 Lake Neuchâtel in Switzerland. Meanwhile, the U.S. Navy did it in in the U.S. in Mexico. Um, obviously, they probably did not know that the others you know were also on the, on the topic. And funnily enough, the the results were the same. So, um, um, yeah, and then Doxa became the first watch uh, manufacturer to came out with a watch that had an orange dial. And um, that's, I guess, the legacy that that Certina is is also continuing with with uh, with this model. Cool. Oh, it's very neat. I mean, I think people will enjoy reading that. That's uh, the whole color of dial topic is definitely something that watch nerds like to to discuss. So. No, absolutely, and, and especially the differentiation between you know murky water and clear water, because you know a doctor just says orange is the best color. Well, yes, that's true, but not in in every case. So it's kind of you mentioned green, right? I mean, I don't think I know of too many green vintage divers. Do you? Ah, uh, not really. Fluorescent green and white is the best for clear water. Yeah, because they explain in the in the report how you know the the light hits the whatever color differently. And I, I don't, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess um, watch companies even back in the day were, were ready to, to create two watches for kind of, you know, those murky waters, those turbid waters. And, and that's, that's not, you know, I mean, nobody's going to make a watch and say, ah, oh, you can just use it. Maybe you and, and I should, uh, maybe you and I should start a micro brand and we create a Gulf of Mexico watch. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I guess we have, we have the hookup. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay what's what's your last pick so my last one and like i said if you if you read our site this won't come as a surprise to you but it's the um it's the ming 1801 h41 diver that was released earlier this year um it was actually during the summer because i remember you know almost melting while i wore it but um yeah it, this was um a watch that Ming had sort of um, hinted that they were going to release throughout the year, and it follows up the Abyss concept that they did last year. So that that watch was a very limited run um, of, I want to say, you know, very few watches, and it was something like 6,000 euros, and they sold out instantly. And I had the opportunity to order one, I will say that, and I didn't do it, and I... I always blame it on the, a certain gold speedmaster that had, you know, blown a hole through my bank account. But I, it's one watch that I, I kind of regret not getting just because it was so unique looking. Um, thankfully, though, they came out with a, a watch that is very, it's pretty darn similar trend wise. I mean, it, it uh, goes away from using ceramic bezel and instead uses a uh, DLC titanium bezel or DLC um, uh, steel bezel. But but this watch is a very different looking dive watch. It's a 40 millimeter piece in titanium, and it really doesn't look like your traditional diver um, to the extent that some people were complaining about, you know, that it has a kind of a smooth bezel and it needs knurling and all these types of things. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a diver, so I'm not going to sit here and and try to explain whether you had grippy gloves on or not, if it would work. But, um, I had the watch in hand. I had a prototype and it was just fantastic. So different, beautifully finished. And their new bracelet is, I mean, it just makes you wonder why big companies can't get it right. But, um, such a cool watch. They, they, they released 300 of them. They did um, two different sale periods to give people an opportunity and missed out on the first one um, just to jump back in and did a different time of, of day. Um, obviously, there were still a lot of unhappy people who who tried to get it and couldn't, you know, payment issues or just sheer number released. But this watch isn't limited. They'll make more next year. Um, 
still probably another 300 or so. And I'm excited to get it. I did order one and it's, you know, Balash, the only thing I can liken it to, and it certainly isn't aesthetically, but I would say it's kind of reminding me a bit of uh, the old Porsche design IWC divers like the Bund Mm -hmm. or the, even a little bit, the, the GST IWC, the the aqua timer. And I say that because those were dive watches and certainly, you know, you could swap out the bracelet and put them on rubber or Velcro and they're beasts, but they didn't look like your normal dive watch. No, absolutely. And this one is, this was quite, I mean, as you said, Ming watches in general are so different. Um, and I think this is, this is the charm. And, um, and I guess we just talked about it earlier, how brands want to go, uh, you know, crazy on tool watches. And I think this, this watch, uh, the Ming is, yeah, you can sell it as a dress watch. I mean, it, it doesn't look like a tool watch. And I think that's the beauty of it. That's the charm of the watch that it, it doesn't want to look sturdy. It doesn't want, even though I'm guessing it is, but it doesn't want to look, you know, um, um, sporty and, and chunky. It's, it looks like a, a an interesting, um, design watch, dress watch, um, sports watch, whatever. It just, you know, happens to be a diver and obviously as such has uh, the capabilities of go underwater, but it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very exciting look. And, um, and I think that's, that's, that's why, uh, people, care so much about i mean in general not just the divers yeah they've they've uh, carved out a, a little space for themselves which is not that easy mm-hmm. to do these days um yeah and i and and i like it because uh like you said it it doesn't look like a tool watch and really i mean if we're talking about dive watches with an external bezel um it's not their fault but you can pretty much relate some part of the design um for a lot of the watches with, uh, you know, something like a Submariner, the original 50 Fathoms, it's, it's hard to, to be truly unique. And yeah. this is pretty unique. So I, I, I'm excited for it. it. It's controversial. Not everybody has to like it. Totally fine. Um, and it's totally fine. Cause there aren't many of them anyway, but it, yeah, I, I, I finally wanted to, put my money where my mouth was on a sort of different type of watch that, okay. Isn't like an MBNF or an Orvark that I can't afford. So, yeah. So and I think, uh, you just said something interesting. Maybe we can start another topic, another po- We can think about another podcast topic, which is bracelets. Yeah. Cause if maybe not as, you know, not as many as dive watches, but this year was, it was a pretty good year when it came to bracelets. Very good year. Well, yeah. let, let's not get into it now, but this is maybe a topic for a future podcast. Bracelets, yeah. watch bracelets. Yeah, and I and I think you know we didn't cover a lot of other divers. Like we said, we didn't talk the Submariner, we didn't talk the Necton or the Aquastar, or the Breitling Super Ocean. I mean, those are all great releases. I think these were just the ones that 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 popped to the forefront of our mind. Um, but with I know we're, we're running up against an hour, but maybe we can take five minutes. Um, I, I just wanted to get your opinion because I know you are a, <clears throat> you cover a lot of swatch, uh, swatch group releases for us and uh, as you know, outside of the Omega brand. And, you know, if I look at Tiso, Hamilton, Mito, Certina, these companies now offer some really compelling dive watches for under a thousand euros. And yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on what's going on in some of these brands, because it really feels like a a bit of a Renaissance and. No, indeed. Indeed. I think that as I told you earlier, um, I, I always, when I review a watch and, and, um, I take a look at it and obviously we see so many watches and we can compare prices, material and whatnot. And I always say, or not always, but most of the time I say, wow, this is really a, a great watch for the money. And then I, I say it again, and I know I, I keep on repeating myself, but but these brands, um, Mido, Hamilton, Sertina, or even Tissot, they they really have very solid, very nice, uh, you know, robust watches, uh, great build quality, great materials, 
um, awesome design, and they're all under a thousand euros. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a couple of years ago, you know, it, 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 that was not the norm, right? So yes, it's a big um, watch group like Swatch, right? So they all belong to the same group, which means they have advantages when it came when it comes to um, suppliers and whatnot. But still, um, this is good for us because. You know, uh, because if you fancy the look of a Tissot or the brand itself for whatever reason, you'll you'll find a, a diver there. Even though maybe Tissot is not known for divers. Same with Hamilton. I mean, when you look at Hamilton, you know you have the khaki field, you have a, a lot of um, you have the Ventura, which is completely different. Mm-hmm. They they have a lot of pilots' watches. They have a lot of military watches because that's their heritage. But they also have uh, they also have divers. I mean, if you look at the khaki navy scuba auto, which we talked about earlier, it's an automatic watch with for six hundred and ninety five Swiss francs, which is less in euros. I mean, for a Swiss made automatic divers watch, hard to complain. Hard to complain. Right, um, Mido, the same thing. Um, you have the Ocean Star, and uh, you mentioned earlier the Ocean Star Tribute, which is still under a thousand euros, and uh, awesome. that's. Okay. Uh, Yes, I mean the bracelet on that watch is amazing. The design is obviously it's it's vintage inspired, but even the new ones, the Ocean Star two hundred uh, in in a bronze case or steel case, is nice. But but the the Ocean Star tribute is just an amazing piece. And I mean, with that bracelet, um, and it's a day date. If okay, if you don't like dates or, or day dates, that's you know that's a problem. But um, you want a watch to wear every day under a thousand euros, which is which is sturdy and gets the job done, Swiss-made, mechanical, there you go. Yeah. Or pff, let's look at Sertina. I mean, Sertina is, uh, you know, divers' watches is what they used to do right back in the day. It's a DS action um, these days. Um, there's a ton of versions of that as well. Um, 500 euros, 700 euros. I mean, come on. Uh, okay, the 500 euro version is quartz, but but still, there's and not to mention the DSPH200M, which I reviewed earlier, the blue one, oh, yeah. which is this this modernized watch. version, yeah, of this reedition. That's that's that was really my one of my favorite watches uh, this year, but I couldn't put two Satinas in the in the list. But that watch with the blue ceramic uh, bezel, blue and and gold, uh, just yeah, breathtaking. It's, again, um, that is something that. Uh, probably not um not for everybody because it's more of a, a lifestyle ish watch but it's 857 euros man it's very hard to beat yeah i think you know we, we were talking seiko before and how they they've now got i don't know five or six different divers in that thousand euro realm call it 700 to 1200 euros and yeah Swatch Group actually has probably just as many dive watches in that area. It's just they're branded under four or five different brands. Different and, brands, um, yeah. But, you know, what's cool to me is, like, you think about when we started going to Basel, um, you know, Mito was not a brand that we visited. And Certino really wasn't a brand that we visited at that time. And yeah. now they make watches that... Um, it's worth, it's really worth going to their page. I mean, we always went to Tissot because they've, I think been pretty consistent for a longer period of time, but you know, Mito and Certina, these brands four or five years ago really suffered from investment. And by the way, we didn't even bring up Rado, which I know is more expensive, but they've also, um, or Longin, or Longin. They, they've also, uh, seen some great releases too. So yeah, I'm, like you no, said, I think it's, a, it's a good time to be to be in the market for a pretty affordable mechanical Swiss watch with some capability. You know, I, I guess it happens to you uh, often as well. Uh, it definitely happens to me that people come to me and say, I want to buy a watch and I only have 400 euros, 500, 800 euros. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know it's a lot of money, but I want something. Yeah, and what should I get? I want something quality. And, and I said, dude... If you have a thousand euros, let's say between five hundred and a thousand euros, you can get a great the, watch. <laughs> endless. The the options is you know it's if you want a diver, if you want a chronograph, you you want a, a mechanical watch. I, mean, I always say buy a mechanical watch, don't buy a quartz if you can afford it, and if you if you don't mind, you know resetting the time every two days, three days, whatever. If you want something within this price range, um, Swiss made mechanical, especially if you want a diver or sports watch. Pfft, 
I mean, come on, Mido, Hamilton, Sartino, Tiso, as you said, uh, uh, maybe not Longin, but uh, Rado, whatever. Uh, there's there's a ton of options, and and I've seen a lot of them. You've seen a lot of them. Um, you know, they're 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 very nicely made. Um, great watches with great Powermatic eighty movement is eighty hours of power reserve. It's crazy, uh, isn't it? You know, anti magnetic. I mean, more or less with the, with a silicon balance spring. What what more do you want? Yeah, hard to argue with that. Absolutely. So that brings us to the end. I have yes, to say, sadly. I I enjoyed this, and uh, yeah, me too. It was it was, it was good fun. So we will definitely do it again. And I I agree. I would like to talk bracelets because I'm with you. This has been a bit of a turnaround year in that front, and uh, I think we could definitely fill an episode there. So, you know what? I think we should we should promise to our, our listeners and ourselves that we're going to do one. Otherwise we're going to, you know, keep on postponing leave them, it. Leave them hanging. So, so let's just, let's just say we're going to do one soon on bracelets because really, as, as Mike said, this year has been quite, uh, quite fruitful when it comes to bracelets on watches and off watches as well. So absolutely, um, absolutely. let's, let's, let's come back to that soon. So that's great. So, with that, we're going to wrap things up. Um, if you'd like to follow Balash on Instagram, you can find him on. Go for it. That's that's not as easy as Mike's. Sadly, that's that's my that's my last name. That's F E R E N C Z I B A Z S. But as soon as you start typing it in, you will find it. So that's Ferenc Bush, my Instagram. And if you want to find Mike. I'm on Mike in Frankfurt, which is Boom. yeah, admittedly pretty easy and. Obviously, follow us on Fratello on our feed and, and the site. And feel free to let us know if there's anything else you'd like us to talk about. So, Indeed. Uh, interesting things are coming to Fratello. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for those things. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Thank you for, uh, for the chat, Mike. It's been great. And uh, Class Race over and out. Frankfurt over and out. Stay safe. Thanks. Mm-hmm.